Good evening, Monadnock Region, and welcome to Go Mo Tonight, the region's only local interest comedy podcast. Welcome to our Space Lounge today. I'm your host, Chris DiLoretto, and I'm here with my co-hosts. Zoe Roten-Heinzman. And Sam Abbott. Welcome, guys. We got a lot to talk about this week. Of course, we missed last week's episode, which is mostly my fault, and that's because uh, I was in a bad mood last Thursday um, when it was time to record, so I canceled on you guys. And then I got sick, which we'll talk about a little bit more later in the episode. So we've had basically a week-long pause in our entire operation, which sucks. Um, but we are now here and back and, um, and ready to dive back into it. First up on the docket tonight is the biggest news circulating around Peterborough, at least. And I suspect this is possibly true in other towns. But here in Peterborough, we all got our updated property assessments in the mail. And um, for, I think, most people, and, and for some reason, this was a surprise. I, I, don't, I don't know why. But um, the property values, if you can believe it, guys, they went up. Um, there was a lot of robust discussion about this. Um, what do you guys think? Zoe, you have anything to, uh, to add about what's, what's gone on with, uh, with our town this week? Well, I think um, it was a surprise to some of us that it was a surprise that the, that the property values went up. That's generally what most of us wish for and hope for. And I don't think it's really a big secret that, that the market is hot, that houses are scarce, that Peterborough in particular, you know, that's been an ongoing thread for at least a year or two that there's you know, no houses to buy. So not a huge surprise. No, they all went up. But the but then but the biggest the biggest surprise of all these many surprises is that people felt that that was somehow uh, that our property values going up was somehow engineered by the town in as a way to like recoup the 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 money lost in the scam that we covered a few weeks ago. Yeah, and that's what I found kind of upsetting. Honestly, is um, it's. Uh, <laughs> kind of represents a complete misunderstanding of, of how all of this works. And I just, look, people get, we talk almost every week about like, who did Chris piss off this week, you know, and who did I offend and say something wrong to? And, you know, in cases like this, I really do. I, I do. I, I say, I sound mean and I, I sound like kind of a prick and I, and I come at these people um, in a, in a very harsh way. And some people don't like that. And in some cases, I freely admit that I'm too harsh and I'm, I'm not as kind as I could or should be. Um, however, in this case, this is just like being an irresponsible citizen. I mean, like the actual post in the, the Peterborough Facebook group was, I see how the town is going to recoup the money. That's just, you know, we make funny accusations around here sometimes, but that's just an irresponsible and civically ignorant one. Um, why would anyone think, I, I don't know why anyone would, I, I just, I can't wrap myself around why anyone would think that the town unilaterally, just by stroke of a pen, can take more money from us, can just get it, just like go, like I was saying before we went on the air, like who, who do they think makes these decisions? Like, I mean, if it was voted on by, um, you know, Tyler and Bill Kennedy and Bill Taylor, we would have known about it before the things came in the mail. Like if they had a vote that was like extract money from the residents, you know, that would be public. Um, that would have been in a public meeting already before we got the things in the mail. 
It wasn't, to my knowledge, in any recorded minutes. I haven't seen the select board meetings lately, but I, I am pretty confident they didn't hold that vote, you know? So we know it wasn't the select board. So who is this? Nicole, the town administrator? Nicole says, tax collector, go get the money. Really? <laughs> It's a it's a convoluted way to get, even if someone did say that, the way we're going to do it, we're going to reassess everyone's home values, send them a letter, like, I don't know, I, I some, some, some more direct plans to, like, extract money from people in town? I don't know. It's the it's sneaky just, town trying to get their money back. Like, how can you possibly think that that's how local government works? And, like, what other things can they just randomly take new taxes for you know so i had to like explain to people like guys come on like look your taxes could go up this year let's be clear about that everyone's taxes could go up if they go up though it's it will be because the budget gets bigger the budget gets bigger which happens a lot a lot of times it's mostly due to the schools um most of our budget goes to the schools and to payroll and to things like roads and plowing um, most of which can't simply, contrary to, again, to people's opinions, just magically be reduced. It does tend to go up every year. Inflation has been crazy this year. If we don't, if we want to be fair to our workers, we should be giving them like basically, and I believe the town does this. I believe the town ties their cost of living increases to um, whatever social security is saying the rate of inflation was. Rate of inflation is like five plus percent. We should be giving people like a five plus percent raise. That's going to mean a 5% increase in the budget. Um, that sucks. And, and, you know, we, we want to save money, but I personally don't believe we should save money on the backs of workers, right? Um, we should not give them, if we don't give them 5%, we're giving them a pay cut for doing the same work. And that's not right. We shouldn't do that. So yeah, the budget's probably going to increase. Taxes are going to go up. But the great thing about democracy is that we are going to vote to approve that budget. And if the budget is obscene in some way, we can vote it down. We can show up to the town meeting in, because I assume next year, by next year, it will be, it, they will resume in-person town meetings where the budget can actively be debated and amended and all the shit, you know? Um, that's, <laughs> this is, it, it, it has worked this way literally for hundreds of years. And this is not new. This isn't some like newfangled 21st century mechanism. Like hundreds of years now, our town has been run this way. And, you know, it's, it's just a simple calculation, right? The budget is the budget. It's what we, the people, vote for. And then the town has to get that money, whatever it is. So they basically take the assessments. And here's the thing, guys. Believe it or not, the town doesn't even set the rate. So if you want to accuse the town of being corrupt, it's not even accurate because what happens is the town sends the property value assessments and the budget to the state. The state then determines, based on those assessments, what does the tax rate need to be, the amount of dollars per $1,000 of your home value, of your assessed home value. That's how much you pay in taxes. So again, if the budget is $60 million and you, know, you pay a tax rate of X and your home assessment is valued at Y, right? If the budget... Let's say the budget stayed the same year on year, which it won't, but let's say it does. Let's say it's 60 million again next year, right? But your home assessment, why? Why increases, right? 
X does not stay the same and the town gets to keep extra money. It doesn't work that way. X goes down. Y goes up, X goes down. The number is the number. That's what they hit. Please, guys, look this shit up before you post it in the group. Like, you're dragging the, the body politic of this town down. Like, this is hurting us socially to have people not understanding this and accusing the town of, and, and it wasn't just the original posters. So many people chimed in and they're like, yep, I get it. I see how they're doing it. They're corrupt. You know, like, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? The real estate market is crazy. You know, if anything, they probably underassess the homes, you know, um, in most cases. But look, if you really don't, as you know, we were talking about this earlier too. If you really don't like the assessment that you got and you think it's wrong for some reason, there is an abatement policy and, and they can reassess it. And, and in many cases, they'll find in your favor. So look into that too. And, and go ahead and I challenge you, if you want to do that, dig in on like the town website or, or even call the town. You know, and find this out on your own without going out there on a limb into the Peterborough Facebook group where you are far from guaranteed to get accurate information. Right? Yeah. All right. So after everybody got upset, everybody got sick. Um, And that's the second part of this (laughs) this thing. Um, And obviously it's not everybody. Yeah, cause and effect. They got their their assessments, they flipped out online, and then got a cold. That Um, sounds really going to get you. A nasty flu-like cold. That's what you get for complaining. They're going to give you a disease. In the water. Yeah, right. They're going to put it in the water. Um, Now, this is anecdotal, of course. I can't say that everybody got sick, but I know a lot of people around town. And in fact, not just around town, but in other towns, even in my workplace in Nashua, and it isn't even like a direct chain where like all of these people, like one person could like, it's like everybody just got sick, like all at once. It's, it's almost like it's November. I know, but Holy like, season. I just you feel like it's usually a little bit more distributed and less everyone at once. But in any case, um, several of these people, I, I just got my own first COVID test today, um, you know, up the, up the nostril with the thing. She said I was a great patient. I didn't flinch. It was awesome. Um, a lot of other people got COVID tests. Yeah, a big milestone. Exactly. Uh, a lot of people um, that I know in the same circle, um, some of whom I may blame for getting me sick, got COVID tests already, came back negative. It's very unlikely that any of us have COVID at this point, um, based on everything that I'm seeing there. I didn't have all the COVID symptoms, although I certainly had some and I was curious. Um, but it was it seemed very flu like to me and I do not usually get the flu. It was very confusing. Anyways, um, so it reminded me, and especially the way that it affected our podcast, it reminded me very much. It's almost a one-to-one comparison of when, like, Joe Rogan got COVID a few weeks ago. Um, it it is exactly like it's that. It's exactly and the same thing. You treated it the same way, too, right? I did. Well, so Joe, if you don't know, he got all kinds of treatments, some of which were controversial. Um, you know, so I, I went about it the same way, like mega doses of vitamins. Um, couldn't get my hands on any ivermectin. Um, so I just I found some ketamine instead and I took that. And, and then I went, I, I started getting better. That's why I'm recording this podcast. Before I got better, I was looking into those things that like rich people are doing in California where they give you blood transfusions from teenagers. Um, I was looking into that. Um that was and then, not the first time you've looked into that. I no, it wasn't. No, I had I had the page bookmark. <laughs> you already had um, the tab open. That's right. I had I did. It was I didn't have to go far to find that, find out about that. So I almost had some young, young blood um, coming my way to cure me. Um, 
But I will tell you what, what ended up fixing the whole thing for me. And this is a thing that not a lot of people are aware of. So I did, I took, I took in, in real life, I took a bunch of vitamin D. I took some zinc. I, I was like slurping down the elderberry syrup. Um, I got, um, what else did I do? Um, uh, you know, some, some vitamin C in there. Um, and then I took, I, and I never take cold and cough medicine, but I did. I took some um, Mucinex. I took some Sudafed, um, taking all these drugs and all this stuff. But what cured me in the end, and a lot of people don't understand that it will do this, but this is what fixes me every time, pretty much every time I get sick, or at least it tips me over the edge to come back. McDonald's. Quarter pounder with cheese meal. I even got some extra chicken McNuggets with it, which Anthony Bourdain is so wrong about chicken McNuggets. Um, and a, a, um, a Coke. A Coke with no ice, so you get the little extra syrup in it. Man, that quarter pounder and that Coca-Cola were so healing. I could feel it like flowing through my veins. And then I fell asleep. I fell asleep for like four hours last night. And I woke up at 2.30 and for the first time I was like, I have improved. Um, so You had, you had an time, America infusion. I think I'm right. Next time you get sick, Jaffrey, we don't have no... Um, drive-thrus here in Peterborough, but Jaffrey, our sister town down the road, also covered by the Gomenadnock region, they've got you covered. Go down there, get a quarter pounder, and it will it will save you. It will save you. Um, so just as we go into cold and flu season, I think this is important information to know. Um, right? Anybody... <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on the, the Mickey D's cure? Um, well, I mean, I, I used to work there when I was a teenager, and I don't remember ever having the flu during that see? time. So see? we may well be on to something. And I, thought you, were gonna, I thought you were going to talk about your tequila cure. Um, well, tequila is always part of it. Tequila okay. is always part of it. There was there were some tequila infusions as well. I've got I've got my medicinal tequila right here. Also, as a matter of fact, so we're still we're still on the mend. It's getting it better. Most of the time, if I feel like I'm coming down with a cold, I take one to two tequila shots, and then that just knocks it out, and I'm good. This was this was more powerful than that. The, a couple tequila mm -hmm. shots would not have helped, um, but ultimately McDonald's did. Um, and I'm telling you, Anthony Bourdain ate way more disgusting things than a chicken McNugget. Um, he's just did, being. Did he say they were like super disgusting? I don't know. He this. said that because someone is a. Someone famously asked him because, you know, he had like one or two of his shows were like basically featuring him eating things like bugs and things like that in like exotic locations. So someone was like, hey, what's the grossest thing you've ever eaten? And he's like a McDonald's chicken McNugget. Um, oh, which rib is way grosser. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't like that. People get really excited when they bring that sandwich back, but I don't think it's any good. Um, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Um, all right. Anyways, we got to move on because we are we are attempting to make this a a relatively concise episode. Um, so let's just talk about the fact that they're um, <laughs> speaking of me pissing people off. There, there <laughs> might. There, there, I'm guessing that there's probably people out there who wonder if we missed. So we're recording this on eleven four right now, and typically we would have an episode that had come out today um, on eleven four. This episode will hopefully come out by next Wednesday or so, so we can at least get a day ahead of things. But there's probably some people out there that are like, Oh, there's no episode this week. I bet it's because they got their hands slapped for making uh -huh. too many people mad in the last episode. And we did boy, didn't we get some shit for episode four? <laughs> well, especially you. Mostly me. 
mostly you. Mostly me. Maybe only made, you. <laughs> made some people mad on several several fronts. I do want to issue one formal correction, um, which the um, Peterborough Rec Department passively aggressively pointed out on um, on one of their Facebook posts at the bottom. Um, that the uh, I accused them of being late in setting the trick or treating day in time, um, and I have ac- I accused them in error. Um, as they pointed out on their um, on their thing, the Peterborough Police Department is is in charge of setting the the time. So in this case, it was five to seven. I think it's usually five to seven. They are in charge of setting the time every year, and every year it's on Halloween Day. Um, if you recall, in the last episode, I did. I mentioned the fact that it seemed like a lot of people, and I'm sorry, but I asked, I asked both elected and unelected town officials this question, and I based my answer on what they told me. So, um, you know, I wasn't just shooting my mouth off, but they, I was told by these folks, uh, who hopefully now have been corrected themselves, um, that they were waiting on word from the rec director. Um, and my suggestion was that um, Halloween eventually be moved to, to a Saturday permanently for trick-or-treating. Um, and um, so not the rec director's call. Um, it is not their fault that we were waiting. So I apologize. It is their fault that they're searching teenagers' bedrooms. That is still weird. I'm not apologizing for that. Um, guys, don't do weird things like that. Okay. That's weird. Uh, that's not recreation. Okay, but <laughs> it is not. I, I'm. It, it was misplaced blame, giving them blame for the Halloween stuff. That was the police department, and um, I certainly don't blame the police department for it, given that no one seemed to know that it was the police department that makes the call, which is odd to me. Um, so, not the cops' fault either. Although um, I feel like the suggestion in the rec department post that it is always on Halloween. Um, I would amend that to say it's always been on Halloween. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't see any reason why this is permanently fixed, where if we had enough people in the town, particularly parents um, who go around trick-or-treating, who lobby the police department to move the date, I don't see why that's impossible. I'm not calling for a campaign for that. It's too early for that. But maybe next fall, maybe we do that um, because – I know from talking to lots of parents that we really love it that way and um, that it's fun no matter what day it is, but it's a hell of a lot better to trick or treat with your kids on a non-school night um, and not have to try to convince them to go to bed after they've had all this candy. And, you know, the precedent has been set. Yes. Like to to say it's always been on Halloween ignores. They moved it for the the weather in 2019. That's they right. moved you for the weather, and then they canceled it last year. So we've yeah, you've got two years in a row of uh, not always uh, on Halloween. Exactly. So we can deal with that in the future. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, though, is that there were um, there were there were the the biggest um, amount of shit I got was regarding my my comments about how somebody might be talking to not Damian Lindelof, but Damian, not Damon Albarn. He's that guy from um, the Gorillas. Um, <laughs> Damien Fisher, um, that someone is feeding him information. This offended a lot of people. And, you know, some people came to me assuming that, you know, this particular person or that particular person was feeding me information, even though uh, I recall very clearly stating, and I was not lying, that no one was feeding me information. Nobody does feed me information at the townhouse, for the record. 
Um, everyone's very tight-lipped, so that's why I have to speculate sometimes. Uh, so this is a hint, everybody. So townhouse people, um, if you don't want me to speculate about these things, feed me information. Um, and, that, and then we won't have to worry about it, right? I mean, that's how this works. So again, uh, also to be clear, I wasn't even being critical when I said that someone at the townhouse was talking to um, Damien Fisher. I was saying that it was smart to do that. Um, now, Damien himself even commented on our, our Facebook post of the video from that show saying that I could have reached out to him. Um, you know, uh, Damien, we, uh, not to go all John Stewart here, but we are a comedy podcast. We do shoot our mouths off here. We are not bound by journalistic ethics and rules. I will never be bound by such things. That's why I do this and you do that. Um, but I did invite Damien to come on the program. I haven't heard back, but I, we would love to have him on as a guest. It may very well be based on things that um, I am being shouted at now that um, that Damien simply is a very, very diligent reporter who calls the townhouse regularly looking for updates on these cases. And perhaps that's the case. He has demonstrated himself to be a very intrepid and good um, classic boots on the ground reporter um, for a very long time. So I would not be surprised if he was doing that. I would be... Um, I'm, it, it, it does make me curious um, why he's so interested in, in this Peterborough reporting. Um, and maybe it's just because, um, you know, he's reported on things around here for a long time. Uh, maybe, maybe he sees a hole to be filled. Correct. As, as we often do, you know what I mean? And, and that's the, the second part of that question is, why is there this hole to be filled? How come if he's doing that, how come none of our actual local reporters are are calling the townhouse to get this information as soon as it comes. Because look, what is publicly knowable without me speculating and without me getting secret information, which wouldn't be illegal or unethical or irresponsible for someone to tell me, even if they were telling me, um, it would be totally lawful and in fact, possibly in the public interest, but regardless, no one does that and I don't need them to. What we can all know just from reading the story is that Damien was able to find out about something before anyone else. Um, and perhaps that was through diligence, but if so, why? You know what I mean? Um, what, you know, again, so I, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. In fact, I'd like to say, guys, ha as, as I said last week, if you don't and you're in town government, have a reporter. Have a reporter who is your friend who you can give stuff to on background. That is part of your job. Um, if you don't know that it is part of your job, now you know. Um, let's let's stop playing small ball around here. Let's elevate. Okay? Don't get mad at me. Um, but I am sorry for any consternation that I caused anyone, um, you know, with that. I am not making any definitive accusations based on information I don't know. I'm just commenting on the fact that one reporter has a bunch of stuff that other reporters don't have. So that's either someone's contacting them, their insane diligence, and the lack thereof on the part of, say, the ledger transcript. Um, that's all. It's worth commenting on if you ask me. Um, okay. Um, so having just mentioned... Um, controversy and the reasons that people listen to us, good or bad, this is a good time to remind folks. And if, in fact, I think next week we're going to have our very first sponsor 
in this part of the episode. This is the part of the episode, after I've talked about all of the reasons people might be mad, after I've identified the reasons that half of you are probably tuning in right now, with my buttery smooth and extremely persuasive radio voice, I can talk about your business, your event, your farm, the services that you provide right here and right now. And as we, as we always like to point out, this is a unique opportunity. It's a very inexpensive form of advertising, but you are reaching a large, I should say, let me, let me walk that back a little bit. Not necessarily a large number of people, but the audience that you reach is 100% local and 100% captive. They are not going to hit the skip button during my sponsored portion because they don't want to miss it if I say something crazy. Uh, no one in their right mind is going to take that chance because you just never know. So they're going to listen to this. They're going to hear me talk for a couple solid minutes. In fact, I will almost definitely talk for more minutes than you pay me to talk um, because I'm just that kind of guy. I'm, I'm very <laughs> verbose. And they and our audience is going to hear everything that you would like them to hear in, in my own, again, very persuasive um, voice. And so we, would, we have many opportunities. We have weekly episodes um, coming down the line. Um, again, I think we, we actually have our first sponsor lined up for next week, but many openings thereafter. We also have opportunities to sponsor um, an email. We send out our two weekly emails. Similar deal there. We have an incredibly high open rate on our marketing emails. and They're, they're not really even marketing emails. Um, they're informative, local event and highlight emails. Um, extremely high readership there as far as um, mass emails go. And again, you have a relatively captive audience that's going to want to look at that. We also have our agricultural exchange. Now, this is a big deal. We've been featuring for the last four weeks, and we will continue to do so, for Winds Farm, which is just up the hill from us. They're our first AgEx customer. Um, what they do is they subscribe at a very low monthly rate, and we then list what they have available at their farm every week. Think about it, right? We've got a million local farms around here, right? And you drive past them every day and you might think to yourself, man, it'd be great to like get some beef from that place. You're like, ah, I wonder if they have some corns over there, right? But you never know because there's no actual way to, there's no centralized location to look up what does each farm, you know, does Four Winds Farm have beef this week? You know, what about Barrett Hill Farm down in, uh, it's on the Greenville Mason line. Um, I, forget, I don't know. I think it's on, in Mason technically. But, you know, what, what do they have? Do they have, um, you know, fresh lamb, you know, things like that. There's no way to know that without stopping in, which a lot of people don't necessarily want to do. Um, so this is a service that's designed to bring farms and consumers directly together so that you can look it up on our site every single week. What does the farm have? What do all of these farms have? And, um, and make your decisions on local food procurement, for your family based on what's on there. So if you're a farmer, this is a killer opportunity right now. You're going to you're going to be the second, third, fourth, fifth farm listed on this thing. Eventually, we're going to get all the farms on here. And um, we are bringing your wares and your hard work directly to a big audience here. So there's many ways that you can reach out to us and get involved um, you know, with our program, get access to our audience and get your message your product, your farm, your events, whatever you can think of, directly to a very captive, hyper-local audience. This is a significantly better deal than advertising in the paper. The ROI here, I promise you, is way higher. Um, so 
check us out in the show notes. We're going to have the contact info. Sam's your guy for sponsoring the podcast and for sponsoring the emails. Zoe is in charge of um, gathering the subscribers for our Agex. So um, again, contact info will be in the show notes, but uh, this is just your friendly reminder that your ad could go right here. All right. Um, now, uh, moving right along here, um, as we as we head towards the end of the episode, um, I still I feel a little bit conflicted about it, but not that conflicted. I haven't given them at the ledger transcript my new card, um, so that <laughs> Zoom. Zoe, as usual, has us covered. Zoe, what's yeah. going on in the paper? What do we got? What what other stories have we not talked about? Well, my favorite story, I guess, of the day. This is today's paper, very fresh. Um, we'll talk a little more about housing mm -hmm. after our discussion of housing assessment. Um, oh, yes. There's another another little article. There's some more stuff going on with the Walden Eco Village that caused so much controversy, what, I guess a year ago? Was it last December? Yes, it was, December 2020. So there was a third-party review of the site's hydrology and wetland study requested by the planning board, and it turns out that um, th there's significant issues with the wetlands there at the eco-village. They have to be remapped. They're much larger than had been previously reported, and so they need to like figure that out before they can you know, make all the decisions that might impact a wetland which is really important. And I, so I'm not, I don't have the article in front of me and I'm, I'm not <laughs> aware of this development, um, but am I, am I incorrect in saying that this is yet perhaps another example of something that should have been worked out before this village existed with people living in it? Is that I, right? I mean, that's my, my personal <laughs> feeling. I, I don't know. It, this doesn't say that per se, you know, but it seems like, well, so it says that the planning board requested a review of the site's wetlands and hydrology study in July. Which I've learned is, is typical, actually, in, yeah. in these things. Um, everybody always wants to know about the wetlands. Like, before you, before you like, m build a septic system, for example. Yes. You know, that, that would be, like, a first before you, before you build. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that one came back and they didn't, they didn't think it was good enough. So they had to do it again. Um, and so, so the, what is his name? Akil Garland. Akil Garland. So he, he is complaining about there's more delays. Nothing's moving forward. He says there's always another trick or delay or reason while they can't meet. So he's feeling pretty frustrated. The town is feeling frustrated. Um, the, the town says it's very unusual, but it is what it is. We're still trying to push them through the process. So, and 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 just to um, clarify this for me, if the article makes it clear, is what what are they tr are they trying to like rebuild slash reopen the eco village sort of as it was? No, who wants to market them and sell them? Ah. So it wouldn't be on a rental basis; it would be a, a development, right? And so, I th and I think whatever was existing from what I know. And I mean, you know, again, Sam's wrong occasionally, but I think the, uh, whatever was existing either has to be sort of retooled in order for it to be satisfactory. Right. Evidently it wasn't. 
you know. And then the plan is, as I believe it to be, is that they're they're expected to build still bigger and more places there, right? That would be offered for sale. Um, so, hence, hence the importance of having enough area to actually do that, right? It would seem, you know, where if yeah. the wetlands they weren't, you know, maybe they didn't impact what was there already, but if they want to expand it, then, I mean, it's not a, it's, it's a large area, but as far as the land that's raw, that's, you know, what, what you see, it's, it's not that big, you know, so they kind of have to clear some timber and, and do some things in there in order to make it accessible, you know? I just uh, find this dude villainous, honestly, and I don't, unless I've missed something, I do not feel that he has been apologetic enough to the residents that got screwed over last December by his actions, not by the towns, by his. Um, and I just, I, honestly, I find it so, I don't know. Like we talked about this a tiny bit in episode four, when we, ref, when I, I referred to the fact that Massachusetts has, or at least it did when I was growing up, like it had some remnants of, of a slight partial, like honor culture. Um, and I, I, part of an honor culture is shame on the other side. And, and shame is very unpopular these days. And I, I think for good reason, in most cases, you know, I, I don't generally believe on, on shaming down on, on people, um, for morality, you know, I don't know their, their personal choices and, and, and things like, you know, how they live and things like that. But, I think that in a case like this where someone's actions has led to like the devastation of several families and all kinds of anguish and problems for an entire town and, and has upset all these things, I think you should feel shame in those situations. And and not and when I say that I don't just mean like, you know, you feel bad and you say you're sorry. I mean to me in this case, like shame would be not trying to rebuild and sell these parcels like fucking eat your loss motherfucker you know what i mean like and go away you know what i'm saying like you shouldn't feel welcome in the town anymore after you do something like this and i don't understand why there's just this is see this is accountability like this is where fucking accountability comes in like you know like we had that whole episode about that in episode two like you know people people think that because like you know, one person made a fishing mistake that the entire government is liable, you know? And yet nobody says boo when this dude like fucks over like 20 families or whatever. And then has the audacity to continue battling the town for, um, to like keep going on it. Like, fuck you, you know, I hope I meet this dude sometime, honestly. Well, I mean, um, it, says, it says in the article too, I mean, he's complaint. he's frustrated with the town because they're not, they're not dedicated to addressing the lack of housing opportunities and other related issues. And he's saying that he's addressing housing, community, and agricultural crises. Yeah. Well, you know what? I would like a different dude to address those things. Okay. You, you had your shot, buddy. And it's not, this isn't like millions of chances here. Okay. Like, I think you should be done, you know, and no, I, move along your way. Go yeah, pursue your economic fortunes in a different place. Um, I, you know, I am not standing up for this guy. I think he's no, being no, gross, I'm not arguing with you. Actually. Yeah, I like, yeah. I think it's, it's pretty gross of him to be like, oh, the town doesn't care about these crises when they want to, like, make sure he's not dumping shit into a wetland. Like, yeah, right. Come on. Right. Why doesn't this guy go to whatever town in Vermont Karen went to with the money? <laughs> you know what I mean? 
This Karen's another one who thinks that we just don't give a shit. We're an unenlightened town. And, um, you know, we we just don't care enough about people or whatever. The two of them can go build utopia in friggin' towns in Vermont or whatever, wherever she ended up, you know? I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, okay. It's a fr- little friendly story there. Uh, <laughs> leading to me saying dropping F-bombs and stuff. Sorry, everybody. Um, I do, I do for the record, I do... When when we there is a little thing when you mark the podcast as to like whether like does this podcast have like adult stuff in it and I always do say yes, um, which like hurts our ability for random searches. But because we're a hyper local podcast, we're not really going to be found. Like nobody's looking for us on Apple Podcasts. You know what I mean? But I do do that on purpose because none of you out like everyone out there should know that um, you know probably don't put this on in the car with the kids. You know just. <laughs> If you haven't learned that by now, uh, just saying. <laughs> All right. And then uh, not much going on besides a lot of sports, I guess, this week. But there's one letter to the editor that I would like to read to you here in full. Oh, please. Regarding History Comes Alive, which was an, an article in the October 26th issue about a historical reenactment. Quote, vocal bang. Big whoop, some reenactment. Maybe the Civil War soldiers did that when they ran out of powder and ball. Wow. So I assume that they're referring to like the big Civil War reenactment they had down at (laughs) Barrett Hill Farm, which I actually just mentioned randomly. Um, (laughs) I I should have looked up that article. Um, But whatever the case, this, this fellow seems upset that they said bang instead of shooting you know shot an actual cannon that's what i haven't we learned from the whole like haven't we learned from the whole like alec baldwin thing like not to to shoot off live rounds in a theatrical production of some kind like i i I, I mean granted granted maybe the um the the reenactment may have occurred before alec baldwin did murder um but um Nonetheless, I don't know. I don't don't feel like the Alec Baldwin situation was the first time that we all learned that. No, well, there was was that guy. Um, There was that guy. I think his name was Brandon Lee. He was Bruce Lee's um, kid on The Crow. That's why he's dead. Um, Same thing. He got shot with a, a... so there was some kind of I don't even know if it was a live round or just like an improperly done blank or something like that. And like, yeah, he was shot and killed on a on a set in the late nineties. Yeah. Wow. Um, Did you yeah. like the crow? Did you like? The I crow? never saw. I honestly, yeah. never saw the crow. You never Did saw you the like crow. It? Never saw I the crow. Seen it since I was a little boy, but we loved it when I was a kid. I wasn't allowed to see rated R movies when it came out, and by the time I was like sneaking movies on my own, like it wasn't. It was a little too goth for me, I guess. Like yeah. I wasn't in that. Like if I was a goth kid, I probably would have seen it first, but like I really wasn't. So I just wasn't. Um, I got the. I was very aware of the crow though, and I understood the aesthetic of the crow. I don't um, remember anything about it other than like the movie cover and. The guy kind of being all crowy, you know. See, so me and you remember the same amount of shit about it, and I've never seen it because <laughs> I remember that stuff too. Um, it's true. You know, you know, you know what's it, funny? Though. I saw it as a teenager. My my uh, first boyfriend's brothers were really into that kind of thing, mm-hmm. so I saw it, and that's still all I remember about it. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, Brandon Lee is dead. Anyways, do, sh- should we have Barrett Hill Farm firing off cannonballs in into the field in Mason? I, 
I don't think so. And that's nothing against the Barrett Hill farm people. I think that they're very wonderful, capable people putting on a delightful Civil War reenactment. But I just don't think firing real cannonballs is something we should be doing. Maybe there's like a cannonball. Was that, Sam? Fuck it. Shoot some cannons off. I mean, if they're in the You're right. You're right. Give me a break. We used to have a neighbor in Wilton that literally owned a cannon and would shoot it off routinely. Really? Fucking cannon. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know. Civil Where, what War. did he aim his balls at? I don't know. You just like, hear it. It's like that wasn't a gunshot. No. That was a cannon, right? And that was, you know, there are plenty of gunshots. That was the well, cannon guy. So and yeah, to, to be to be clear, I'm a I'm a believer in the Second Amendment, and we are in New Hampshire, and so yes, on your own property, you do you should have the right to fire a cannon. You know, if they, if they can if they can shake half the state with friggin' Tannerite explosions for gender reveals, you know. The guy in Wilton can shoot his cannon if he wants to, but I'm just guessing that there might be like I don't know, like insurance problems or something for like a farm to do this as a public event. You know what I mean? Like I don't know, maybe like shooting it at each other as part of a civil war enactment seems different than than your situation. Oh, no, I don't think they should shoot it at each other. That's taking it a little too far, obviously. But you know, maybe popping off a couple of cannon rounds just for the hell of it because it's civil war, you know. So, like, yeah. is there a happy medium? Reenactment. Is there Not a happy medium? Where we... Cannon fire, you know? <laughs> Sorry, Sam, I don't mean to keep interrupting you on accident okay. there. Is there is there a happy medium where we can have, like, the cannon bang and, and not just a vocal bang, such as this letter writer was complaining about, without the the metal ball? There, I know there is because on the Boston Pops 4th of July extravaganza that they do every year, the big highlight of the night is the 1812 overture, which is really kind of bizarre because it's about Russia and Napoleon and has nothing to do with America at all. But they um, celebrate as, Napoleon anytime in my book. No, no, no doubt. No, me too. Me too. But why that's the traditional center of this 4th of July celebration, I don't know. I'm cool with it. You know what I mean? But I just don't I don't get the, the logic, really. But anyways, they um in Tchaikovsky's piece itself, there is cannon fire as part of the, the song. And they do have military people on hand and they do shoot off real, not with live rounds. They do shoot off real cannons as part of this every year. So there's definitely a way to do blanks, like some kind of blank or some kind of explosive round that is not a cannonball or a live round out of a cannon. You definitely can. It's probably go. really complicated, though, and you might need somebody with like military expertise to do it. No, Probably. you know, like it's a like it's, war it's, reenactment, though. I mean, I somebody know. has to have an idea what the hell is going on with regard to cannon blanks. They, they probably, I would, should. I would hope they probably. Should. Well, this person who wrote into the paper clearly feels that way very strongly, and maybe they do know, and maybe, maybe they, they should know. be the person, right? I, Was it anonymous? No. Okay, well, hey, we got a lead, you know. Yep, we got a lead. Barrett Hill Farm. Yep. While we're at it, we'll ask him to, you know. Join the fucking Agax. Where are you at? Yeah, that's right. No, that's absolutely right. Join the Agax and we'll find someone to shoot off cannons for you. This is an open offer to Barrett Hill Farm right now. Uh, open-ended. Open-ended. That's good. All right. I'm, I, uh, I'm assuming that there's no more um, no more tales uh, probably worth uh, mentioning in, in the recent edition. I think, I think that's... I that probably covers it. Probably yeah, and and we are just about ready to wrap up the episode. And uh, today I'd like to do it. You know, I got my uh, got my pink cardigan on today. We're doing. You know, I got my little Mister Rogers thing. I'd like to end tonight 
with a little Mister Rogers note, little and little little bit of positivity um, that doesn't involve telling anybody to f themselves or anything. Um, I, and and I am I am being entirely sincere and not at all sarcastic in saying this um, because I was. Um, and I'm probably going to write about this, so you guys may read about it in voices, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks or so. But um, so big Halloween weekends um, had a Halloween party at my house on Friday, which was fun. Um, had a went to the the big Halloween extravaganza at the depot, which was a phenomenal party um, that um, I had. Zoe doesn't think that they were misbehaving, but they were. My kids were out of control, and they prevented me from really enjoying. It. But we put on a great skit, anyways. Anyways, it was really cool. But the highlight for Halloween weekend was, in theory, was for me, in theory, the part of the weekend that is the least like adult oriented. And in that, I mean the actual trick-or-treating itself, which can be, in on paper anyways, can be kind of an, a drag for an adult. You're just sort of walking around with your kid like while they get candy and stuff. On paper, that does not sound fun to me. Um, but the last time we did Halloween in Peterborough in 2019, I really had a phenomenal time. And that's what happened again this time. And um, and Zoe was with me. And there was a there was there's several of us families. Um, we we hit Robbie Farm Road and Liberty Lane, and then we drove over to the school and did High Street with everybody else. Um, people's houses were all decked out. The people handing out candy were um, extremely friendly, and everybody was in a good mood. And everybody was kind of shouting Happy Halloween back and forth um, to each other, and just lots of smiles and you know hey how you doing and and waves and all this stuff and it occurred to me um because <laughs> sometimes these days i gotta admit um and and I, it's probably not a surprise to anybody who listens to this program but sometimes i get really really critical of of the region and of the town of peterborough i get very frustrated um sometimes i say things that um Maybe I mean in the moment, but I don't really mean in a broader sense. Like, what what was it that drew me here in the first place? These people are driving me crazy, etc. Um, but what happened on trick or treating on Halloween really did remind me of of what I like about being around here, and I realized that it, it was probably the last Halloween in 2019 was the last time that we had a holiday or special event in the town of Peterborough where there were um, people some known to one another, some perfect strangers going all around the town and wishing each other well in some way. In this case, it was happy Halloween. In other cases, children of the arts day, it's, it's more of a generic spring cheeriness, you know, um, you know, lantern walk in the wintertime when it's not, you know, below zero is another one of these, these warm moments in these big times, you know, when we have, um, things like the, the, uh, I don't know if they do these anymore because the thing in the spring is done, but you know, um, the like the broke arts fairs and and things like that, like the holiday strolls that Peter Bro often does. Um, these are the things that I love. These and these are the things that we need more of in society and not just in our town. This is a universal thing, not just a local thing. We need these events where we can cheerfully greet one another, whether we know one another or not, with like warmth of heart and like cheering and like giggling wild children running about in the streets and like. Um, you know, and there doesn't even have to be any big reason behind it. Like, you know, I mean, Halloween, I mean, we could talk for another whole episode about like the meaning of Halloween and all that, but like the meaning of trick or treating is basically nothing. It's going around getting candy, smiling at everybody. Right. Um, children of the arts day. What the hell is that? Right. It's my favorite day in the year in Peterborough, but like, could you define it? Not really. Um, you know, yeah, we're celebrating children and like arts and shit, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's a, it's it's a very simple concept but the feeling of it that you get like in your heart when you're participating in it and when you're interacting with people and it especially children of the arts and it starts to feel like almost like kentucky derby day and like dudes are wearing cool hats and stuff and like all this stuff like it can be something very simple that becomes infused with the utmost meaning through the experience of it because of how we're interacting with one another and i just wanted to say that my heart was warmed by all of that and that I love this town, despite my vitriolic words. And it made me very happy. And it made me very hopeful for, um, you know, the easing of the further easing, continued final ultimate easing of pandemic that we hope will happen into 2022 that will allow these things to happen once again. Here, here. Here, here. Here, here. So. On that, so figured give you guys a little treat, end on a end on a happy, positive note. Let's have more shit like that. More, you know, and when the town's not doing it, do it yourselves. Get together with your friends more. Get together with your family more. Like expand your group. Do more hangouts. Do more things that make people smile um, in a group setting. Um, because that, in addition to informing yourself and and making good decisions about the things that you say and think, um, is what makes for a really good and robust and um, decent society and that's our program for tonight um thank you all for joining us um we do have hopes um obviously it's been a couple episodes since we had corinne on but we do have hopes that um, next episode for episode six we will have a guest or two um, we've got a few people that we are uh, working on scheduling so you can expect that we've got um a go monadnock weatherman a, a hyper local weather forecaster that's going to be coming on board with us um you know, Monadnock Underground is cranking. We've got a writer's night out planned for um, November 18th at the Peterborough Town Library. If you're a writer, come on down and read something. We'd love to have you. No experience required. We love newbies. Um, there's all kinds of cool stuff um, that we have in our in our plans going forward. We can't wait to bring it to you. Thank you for joining us again tonight. Have a great week, and we will see you in the Space Lounge next time on Domo Tonight.